presented here today for you to enjoy is a special 15-minute preview of this week's Top Rope Nation Extra Patreon-exclusive bonus podcast. A really good discussion I'm sure you would enjoy if you enjoy our typical flagship podcast. And like I said, the only way to hear this full show is by joining the Patreon page. The link is here in the broadcast description. Happy birthday to us. Happy birthday to us. Happy birthday, dear Kyle and Jesse. Happy, Happy birthday, birthday to, to us. us. Oh, my goodness. The crowd is so thankful that you came in there, uh, Jesse, to save me because, uh, wow, my singing is somewhere, I think, between Freddie Mercury and Stephanie McMahon. But, hey, everybody, this is Top Rope Nation Extra. I am your guy, Kyle Ross, hosting. And as you can tell by that voice, joining me on the program today uh, is a fellow birthday boy this week. Uh, I am 48 hours removed uh, from turning 42. This man, I'm not sure how old he turned. He can inform us uh, in just a moment, but I can guarantee he's a lot better physical shape than I'm in here uh, on August 19th, 2022. He is 24 hours removed from a birthday. He is Jesse Velasquez, your good friend and mine. Jesse, how the hell are you? Everything is well. I'm actually going to shock the world right now and reveal that I am one day younger than you, Kyle. Oh, wow. So you're also 42 years old. Wow. 1980 is one of the greatest years of all time. You, you and I both can argue it's the greatest. I mean, the Miracle on Ice, which is one of my favorite sports moments in the history of the world. I don't know where it ranks on your list, but it's up there. 1980 is a beautiful, beautiful year. Yeah. And, and hey, we share a birthday month with uh, both Hulk Hogan and Vince McMahon. And then you had to bring it there. Yeah, sorry. Which, you know, <laughs> at the opposite end of the world spectrum. Yeah. So, well, boy, am I sad now. I was hoping you were going to say something like you were 35 or something. So I wouldn't have any excuses about, you know, where I'm at in the gym. But hey, 42, well, we're looking good. We're feeling good. And we're ready to do Top Rope Nation Extra, Jesse. I am honored to be on Top Rope Na Nation Extra. I was on Top Rope Nation proper without you a few months ago. And one of the things I asked was, where is Kyle Ross and we miss him? So instead, I am here with you on Extra. Yeah, and obviously, you know, we have podcasted before. This is not our first, uh, this is not our maiden voyage here behind the microphones. Uh, we've talked about quite a bit in the past over on your podcast. Uh, we talked about, uh, Jesus, I think we talked about the entire 2010s, did we not? Uh, when we first spoke. And then more recently, people could check this out. And this was so much fun. We talked Russell Palooza in 97, ECW. Oh my gosh, that is such a hidden gem of ECW, and we almost called it, we called it the peak hour of ECW, and then it started to go downhill as evidence that it went bankrupt in 2001. It did. Uh, interestingly enough here, we're, you know, we're going to be talking about a couple of promotions. Don't think, it, well, certainly one is not going to be going bankrupt anytime soon, and we are certainly rooting for the second uh, to get 
a big new shiny TV deal here at the end of next year. Uh, that, of course, being AEW. Uh, the subject at hand today, Jesse, as you know, uh, and let's now bring in the fans in here to the discussion, the listeners. We are uh, basically one year removed from the first dance, CM Punk's arrival to AEW at the Sold Out United Center last year. As a matter of fact, the one-year anniversary proper of that is tomorrow, August 20th. So uh, right after you and I both turned 41, CM Punk returned to the wrestling world after a seven-year absence, a seven-plus-year absence. And there was a ton, a ton of goodwill and good feeling towards AEW at that moment. And then certainly they took it up a notch after the all-out pay-per-view when Punk wrestled against Darby Allin. And then Brian Danielson and Adam Cole both made their respective debuts for the promotion. We're going to be talking about where AE, where we both see AEW right now vis-a-vis one year ago. But first, kind of interesting here, not only do we share, uh, you know, not only our birthdays 24 hours uh, from each other, but something else we share is you were at an AEW show last week when they uh, did Dynamite Rampage in Minneapolis. I will be going next week when they're here in Cleveland. And oh, by the way, all of a sudden that's looking like a big show. But you were there for CM Punk's return to television uh, after an injury absence. So um, is there anything you'd like to share with the audience about or the listeners, the vibe uh, when you were in the building last week for AEW? Yes, I was so the crowd. It was it was smaller than I thought it was going to be, which it made it a little more intimate. And for those who know Target Center, it's probably about seats close to 18, 19,000 people. So we had the whole lower bowl full and so it's about 7500 and it it sounded almost like an independent crowd. I thought the vibe was great and it came off very well to me on television and just the entire two hour show was tremendous. I was there. There were a lot of segments that I really enjoyed. It was a very fast two hours. The Moxley Jericho main event surprised me. I had spoken to Ryan Drosty. He was on my podcast a couple of days before Quake by the Lake and the one thing we both said was this match is not going to be as good as the one at Revolution 2020 when Moxley unseated Jericho for the AEW World Championship. And surprise, surprise, in my personal opinion, it was. It ended up being better. <laughs> yes. It ended up being better. And I think it was just it was a completely different style of match where they brawled within the first half of Revolution 2020, whereas they kept this in the ring for the vast majority of the time. And there, there was bloodshed, lots of submissions. So it absolutely surprised me and i was a huge fan of the match everyone knew moxie was going to go over and then all of the pyrotechnics afterwards with the i was about to call him the inner circle that would be the jericho appreciation society hitting the ring to attack moxley and then you had of course the follow-up with the blackpool combat club eddie kingston ortiz and then who decides to make his way but our hero or is he a vigilante now? CM Punk. Crowd exploded. It was pretty unexpected. For me personally, I was expecting one of three guys to return on this night. And to me, Punk ranked second. I had MJF at the third spot. And then I thought that Kenny Omega was going to make his return on this episode of Dynamite. 
So real fast, great response. I enjoyed the aftermath where Claudia was pointing at him, saying, Moxley, Moxley, hey, behind you. And he's like, yeah, yeah, I know, whatever, whatever. Stared him, stared down each other. That was a whole lot of fun. Coffin match open. The show was awesome. Crowd was at a probably a fever pitch, I think, for that moment before Punk. And then, of course, you had the... 14-minute-long Lucha Bro Tornado Tag match with Andrade and Roosh. They kept a solid pace in there where it slowed down in the middle. However, overall, my experience at Dynamite was definitely a pleasant one, and I don't know how you felt about the whole episode at home, Kyle. Okay. Obviously, it was a great episode, and I want you to hold your thoughts on the reaction Punk got and the feeling in the building everyone had seeing him back because we're going to double that back to that here in a little bit. I have two follow-up questions. One, you said you, uh, well, obviously you were there live. You just detailed it. And then you said you watched it back on television. How did it come across when they went to the walls of Jericho during the break versus seeing it? Because obviously you don't know that in the building. And that was like this big talking point I saw on Twitter. It's like, oh, my God, like, why would you kill the drama of a submission by going to a break? You know, Moxley's not going to tap. Uh you know, during a commercial, having seen it both ways, kind of where do you come out on that? Untimely. And it now makes sense going back to it because I was a couple beers deep at this point. So I was like, why is Jericho have Moxley in this near three minute long walls of Jericho or Lion Tamer? Because, of course, he was going by Lionheart. Mm -hmm. And I was, yeah, I was super curious as to why that was. And there's a couple of times where Moxie was about to wiggle out of it, got to the rope, and Jericho would pull him closer. So, I, again, I think it was extremely untimely. And I don't necessarily know how they are with breaks and things when it comes to the timing. In AEW on, on Dynamite Rampage, you can usually edit it. So, again, in the building and, and at the moment, I thought a two-and-a-half-minute long Lion Tamer in the middle of the match just felt a little off okay so you're what was the crowd was that kind of the feeling in the building the crowd was sort of like yeah like kind of losing it like even though they didn't maybe some sensed it was a commercial break maybe some didn't but that's interesting yeah that um you know maybe it didn't have the heat even in the building that you would think so within that yeah within the first probably 45 seconds the, the the crowd was at a pretty solid pitch and then right about halfway we're like yeah he's got to be breaking out of this at some point and okay. sure enough it happened Okay. Um, something you did mention. You, you talked about dynamite a lot. Rampage. Obviously, most places they tape Rampage right after dynamite. It's just kind of a reality of where they're at. They can't run two b- towns per week, obviously. But did you stay for Rampage? How did you feel when that show was being recorded for Friday night? We did stay, and there really weren't too many people that left. I would say a few hundred. Okay. Okay. So the the crowd itself, I it it seemed like it was a we were we were a pretty good pitch, and especially with the Brian Danielson interview to start it out, that's a perfect way to go. Daniel Garcia roped us back in as well. I thought that segment was great. You had the Sammy mixed tag, which was also wonderful. I thought it was very good. Anytime you get Dante Martin in a ring, you I, I can't complain. I'm I'm a huge fan of his, and he's a Minneapolis native. Then it got a little bit lost in the middle there. And one thing that you may not know at home is that the Swerve Keith Lee interview was never shown to us. 
in the arena. Mm. So we had no idea what they said, what happened. I had to, I actually still haven't even watched that segment. And Keith Lee's one of my favorites. Uh, main event time, the whole Trustbusters thing was just kind of grown to most of the crowd. Mm-hmm. We were actually, Sunny Kiss got a huge pop. Her in her entrance, his, her pronoun, whatever you want to go with, pronouns, as Jim Ross would say. Uh, Sunny Kiss actually got a really great response as Sunny came out. So that part was awesome. And I, I've been wanting to see Sunny on TV. You're probably going to see Sunny more now that he is a member of the Trustbusters, which that, that whole thing, the, the one thing that stood out to me with them is that they have uh, Jane's Addiction theme music for the most part. If you love HBO Entourage, you might like their theme music. Okay. So you didn't sense that there was any kind of burnout at the end through Rampage. And I mean, do you, do you think that's like the right thing to go? Cause like, I, you know, there's been a lot of talk about Rampage. It's not must see, you know, people look at the lineups a lot of time and are like, whatever, this seems skippable. Now, interestingly enough, the most recent Rampage where you were at did a nice rating. At first, there was some conjecture from Meltzer that that may have had to do with the lead-in, but that lead-in didn't do that great. It turned out it was like a Star Wars movie or something like that. Do we think that that was just a carryover from Punk debuting on Wednesday and people were a little bit more intrigued on the promotion? That would be where I stand, because if if you look and see the rest of the card, there really wasn't anything that stood out unless you're a huge Brian Danielson fan, which I know there are a lot of people that are. That would mm-hmm. probably be, a, be a, a solid draw, especially I think it was up, what, 175, I think, in the numbers from the week prior. Yeah, yeah. So, and I mean, you know, he hadn't talked in a while, and obviously they were setting up the big match for Wednesday. So let's pivot now to Wednesday and what happened. Um, certainly, the big talking point right now with AEW coming off Dynamite is the status of CM Punk. There are rumors of unhappiness right before the pay-per-view. How about that? Kind of like there were rumors of MJF being unhappy right before the last pay-per-view. And I'm going to surprise some people with this take. I did not like the opening segment between CM Punk and John Moxley as much as most other people seem to. And I'm going to tell you why. You talked about the reception he got when he came out for you guys in Minneapolis. It's kind of like a hero's welcome. Oh, my God, we're so happy to see CM Punk. Fast forward to Wednesday, this most recent Wednesday. I thought the tenor of his promo was off. I think, you know, people were happy to see him. They wanted to believe him.